Welcome to Selfed. The self-education your future self will thank you for. You know, now that I haven't said that on three different episodes, it might be time to reevaluate what that looks like. <laughs> because this self-education your future self will thank you for. I don't know, maybe that needs to change and grow into something a little bit different. But uh, I am happy... Here we are, third recording in with the way that this is turning out. Um, I got to listen through the last episode a little bit and just get a feel for where I was at in that one because this felt like, in hindsight, I'm doing verbally what I would normally do in journaling. Uh, not necessarily processing, but speaking very matter-of-factly. Uh, most of the journaling that I do or that I have done has revolved around an event happening and then me going back and being like, what happened? And I feel like with the podcast, I'm at the state of uh, right after having done that journaling part because I can speak through it. And I wonder if this is just a better way of writing for me. So even with that little bit of knowledge, I want to see how this plays out here. There's been a number of things that have happened over the course of the last week since the uh, second episode release. And there's a lot that I want to touch on. I believe where I left off last time was really just following intuition and how that's worked out in a positive way. And since then, I had therapy. And my therapist is, is, is great. I mean, I think that the goal of having a therapist is and should be that you are better able to challenge yourself, your assumptions, your beliefs, your behaviors when they're not around. I think that therapy serves as more of a, a self-check-in, if you will. And in this therapy session, there were a couple of things that I really want to make sure that I highlight. And hopefully I don't forget what they are because I will ramble through speaking about things and going off on tangents without even covering the topic. So hopefully saying them first will allow for me to move forward. But one of which is self-care, what that looks like. And then another thing is this self-trust. Like on last episode, I talk about how I follow my intuition and it ended up working out. What I don't realize is how not following my intuition is what keeps things from working out. And I believe that that may be what self-sabotage is. And it's all rooted in a deep, deep fear of uh, success. And it causes these symptoms of that disease being the case. Let's call um, success or fear of success, the disease, and the symptoms look like self-sabotage or overthinking, but mostly more than anything going against intuition. Um, and I'll start there. And if more comes up or comes out, then that'll be what uh, I end up talking through. So let's start with the fear of success as a disease. And this is my fear. If I have... I know that we're going to die. So when that happens, I've accepted that it's going to happen. Uh, obviously, I won't just like lean into it or 
force it to happen sooner, but I'm aware that death is something that we're all going to have because it's on the spectrum of life just comes with it. And so my fear of success, I believe, is really irrational. Uh, I can't say I believe it's irrational because I believe in it and I'm learning what you believe is what is when you believe it hard enough and being realistic here I can't believe myself into growing wings right but what's in control or what's possible on this plane of existence based on my beliefs is exactly what happens so I believe that in being afraid of success, or I believe that success symbolizes a change that isn't necessarily for the better. Um, And some of the symptoms there are me not perhaps making as much money as I could, because I also have this belief that money is associated with bad things, bad people. When people get a lot of money, they don't necessarily become better people. Uh, I have consistent experiences with that. And I don't know how to challenge them. And I guess it would take for me to get money in order to live in a way that challenges that directly. Um, But do you see how this cycle looks? If I believe that success is a bad thing because of what comes with success, then what does that say about me? So perhaps I need to just redefine what success looks like. Success doesn't look like having a lot of money. I think that success perhaps is a progress or a process that makes progress, a process that makes progress, uh, into the direction of being able to create opportunities money has nothing to do with that so why if that's going to be my definition of success as we move forward why can't that be what i model my life off of so i want to create a process that i can measure progress and be able to see opportunities created as a result That's what success looks like. So, again, um, a belief is just so deeply rooted and ingrained in us. And I think that these beliefs really encourage the thoughts that we have. They encourage the words that we speak. They are the driving force of the actions that we take. So if I genuinely believe that success is linked to money, I have to support that belief or the world has to support that belief because that's my truth. And that's how the world responds to us. It responds to us living in what truth we believe, right? So if I believe myself to be a good person, and I believe success is linked to money, then I'm going to create circumstances where I constantly fail, where I don't succeed. So how do I go about challenging that behavior or that belief? I change my behavior. So I have to stop doing these things that support the belief 
money is bad and success is linked to money. I got to stop doing that <laughs> because I, I'm seeing, you know, if that's what the disease is, the symptoms of that are perhaps overthinking, are inaction, um, avoidance. Uh, the, these are just a few. I, I can probably name more if I talk through uh, different experiences that I have, but I know that I need to challenge these beliefs with my behavior. And the patterns that I have, whenever I get to the brink of what would be now considered success, and I'm looking at this from the past sense of other opportunities that I've had that have been successful. You know, when you look back, it's really easy to support your beliefs with past experiences, but support your uh, future endeavors and successes with past successes that you may not have even known were successes. Give an example. I've run a nonprofit for two years and I've done functions for it uh, for four. I, in the process, never really looked for moments of success. It's only in hindsight that I looked up and I'm like, damn, you know, I've been doing this for two years, nonprofit, four years of doing the work and uh, providing various levels of support to people. And I look at what's come out of that. Like these are the symptoms of success and what the healing looks like, because we're talking about fear of success as a disease, the healing being the challenging of the beliefs with the behavior. So the patterns that I might have had going through that process are looking at what's going wrong, how long it's taken for things to happen, whereas the success was in the consistency. The success was in having a process that looked like, all right, I'm going to uh, to, to conduct interviews with people on a weekly basis. I did that. I did that for four years. Okay. I'm going to start raising money so that I can pay for people to get therapy. Okay. Did that for two years. And then looking back at how many people have been in therapy and how many people have reached out and connected to touch base and uh, just get in contact with these resources. All of these things are successes because they follow the formula that I just mentioned, the creation of a process, progressing through that process, and then creating opportunities. That is literally what I did. And so how do I replace that disease of fear of success with acknowledging my past successes as what they are? Because, again, it's created opportunities. I have to believe that my healing comes in the creation of opportunities because that directly conflicts with that belief. So if my behavior support creating a process, making it through the progress, uh, looking at the progress and then creating opportunities, both of those can't exist with one another. So perhaps right now there's just this internal struggle between the, the belief that I've had and the behavior that is overriding that belief. So overriding beliefs may look like exercising a new pattern, a new behavior change, a new behavior, period. Because that's what it does. Like these two things can't coexist. I can't have the disease of fearing success and have the healing of uh, receiving the confirmation that 
success and um these they just they just don't go together i was about to say the wrong thing but um what i mean is that i can't have this idea that the fear of success looks a certain way because i'm redefining what success is success has always been more money right and if i've seen money corrupt people or the more that they have like the more that they have to keep it and do things that may not be the most ethical or whatever i can't support that belief if my definition of success is not tied to money and then i also will have to redefine you know what it looks like to have money because if i am successful if i am by that definition um creating a process going through uh and progressing and creating opportunities then in order for me to sustain that and money comes in and I have to continue to do that if I want to be successful. So the money has to fuel that. So that isn't inherently a bad thing. I'm not creating opportunities for uh, like a mob, a mafia to run around here and bully businesses to give me a cut of their earnings on a weekly basis so that I keep them safe from a threat that I've created. I'm going back into like mob ties and the whatever years. I just watched I just watched a TV show that uh, had a mafia in it, but uh, I'm not going to digress too long. But yeah, that's really been a major takeaway for me from therapy is that I really need to challenge these beliefs with a new behavior. And it starts with looking at real definitions and understanding that the the power of what it is that we believe will always be validated by the world around us. So how do you go about challenging it? I've already done it. And I'm pretty sure that if you're someone who's hearing this right now, you have past experiences where you can see where you stuck to something consistently. There was a process in place. You made progress through it. And at some level, you've created an opportunity, whether it be for yourself or other people, an opportunity was created. And success could look a number of different ways for various people. But if you are to tie this into whatever your own experience is, then maybe you'll be able to see a parallel that will support you through identifying what it looks like to challenge beliefs that no longer serve you. It doesn't serve me to believe that success is tied to money and that money is tied with being bad. That doesn't serve me anymore. In fact, if I want to continue to do the good in the world and fulfill my lifelong purpose of connecting and uh, advocating for mental health and uh, suicide prevention, if I'm going to be me and be in alignment, I can't keep believing that. I have to be able to welcome in money because money can, in fact, support the creation of opportunities. It can shift my process. It can give me different methods of making progress, and it can also create opportunities, paid opportunities even for people. Some people need to be motivated in a certain way by purpose, by rewards, and other people just need to be able to make a living. So if I'm able to bring in the money that is going to be able to uh, support the created opportunities, um, giving people jobs in the endeavors that I'm pursuing so that they can also support what it is that I have going on, then that's what I need to do. Right. So walking away from this podcast episode, I have to I have to believe to the point of knowing Because this is a very deep-rooted belief in me 
to be afraid of success because I've seen it in my parents. I've seen it in my grandparents. I've seen it around me. But I haven't seen it for myself. If I really look at what I've accomplished to this point, I'm here, first off. And even that's a success. The process of making progress through life to the point of maturity, to be able to self-reflect. Like, self-reflection is a luxury. This is a luxury. Not a lot of people have this. Self-reflection, self-discovery, self-expression. And it's because a lot of us come from a place of survival. You know, I I would even go as far as to say I am still in survival mode, but I, I recognize the necessity of healing. I have to do both. I have to survive and be in that mode and step out of it into this mode because these two things create like a cycle. They fuel each other. If my needs are met, the more my needs are met, the more I'm able to self-explore, self-discover, and self-express. And the more I do that, the more my needs are taken care of. And I have to believe that. And this is a really good transition point into uh, my therapist and I talking about self-care and what that looks like. I'm a 32-year-old black man. Self-care is something that I probably hadn't heard until I was 30 years old. And even then, what self-care looked like to me was just not appealing. Like, that doesn't seem productive. Why would I put a face mask on and wash my face? Why would I take a bath and a bath bomb? That doesn't seem productive. That's like 45 minutes of me just sitting and not doing anything. I don't have time to sit down and read a book. I don't have time to just walk in the park because I'm so heavily focused on my survival. So there's no space for self-care and survival to coexist with one another has been another belief that I've had. So when my therapist mentioned to me self-care and again, you know, this is even a luxury being able to have a therapist. But when he mentioned that to me, I just flat out asked, you know, what what is that? What is self-care? Why I don't know what this looks like. I don't see black men around me exercising self-care or maybe I do and I just don't recognize it. I look at my dad, for instance, my dad works. And when by the time he gets home from working, he's tired. And when he gets home from work and he's tired, he would always do this thing. He'd open up a beer. He'd take a shot of Bacardi Gold and he just want to sit down. He would just want to eat and just sit down. That to me is like that's that's a necessity to just be able to sit down like maybe the the beer and the shot were self-care. But if it's if that's like a habit or it's routine, I I don't know. it, It just looks weird to me. And that's not something that really appeals to me. It doesn't appeal to me to come home at the end of a hard work day and chug a beer, take a shot and sit down and watch TV and and eat. There has to be more to life than that. And the way that I see self-care reflected on social media, um, and my social media feed is flooded with sex educators, uh, mental health uh, and wellness advocates. Um, Yeah, those are are primarily the two things that I see, like um, sex positivity and mental health. Um, post and fitness for the other social media accounts that I run. Um, But yeah, those things just don't fit for me. And so 
when talking to my therapist about it, he said that any of these things can be self-care. So for my dad, it may look like a beer and a shot after work and then just sitting down and resting. And for me, I haven't necessarily figured out what that looks like because everything that I do is filled by some type of purpose or intention. So I go to work because I need to make money. And when I'm not working, I'm working. <laughs> like how, how messed up is that? I'm not working, but I'm working. How often am I really doing anything that's for me? And I can't quite think of, off the top of my head at least, what things I'm doing that can qualify as self-care. And when he was talking to me, he said to me, he was like, well, Courtney, self-care can be, and he goes down the list of these things that I I want to do, but don't necessarily make time for. For instance, I would like to just rest. I would like to just play video games. I would like to cook more meals for myself. I would like to go on vacations, get massages. And again, you know, these are things that cost money. So in association with money being a thing that corrupts or a bad thing, how can that be self-care? So there's like this just network of things that all link to the root of some core belief as a disease and then the symptoms of it really do facilitate our behavior on the surface so the reason that i don't practice or exercise self-care at least consciously is because i have this belief that self-care is not a good thing and we can connect the dots from the lack of behavior on the surface that is self-care and the prioritization of that to the fear of success, the fear of having money, which serves as a tool to be able to support self-care, depending on how you view it. So he names off these things that cost money. And I was like, damn, dude, self-care sounds expensive. Like even not doing anything can be expensive because if I'm not working, I'm not earning an income. I'm not taking care of the necessities. I'm not getting my needs met. And that becomes a threat because having my needs met is in fact a priority. So doing nothing threatens my priority of getting my needs met. Getting a massage threatens the priority of being able to pay my bills on time. Right. And you, you see where this cycle goes and perpetuates itself in a negative way. So again, that belief of fear of success, money being bad, has to be overwritten by me looking at my past experiences and seeing that my processes have led to progress, have created opportunities, opportunities that need and can be supported by money, therefore challenging the belief that money is a bad thing. So in reframing the word success and money, I have begun the healing process of neutralizing that disease of the toxicity of my behavior, of my belief that success and money go hand in hand. And my fear of success is also a fear of money. And I just got to be able to reframe that and disintegrate that because it's not true. It's not real. That belief may have served me at one point in time to keep me on a path of not corrupting myself in any way shape or form perhaps uh but now it's at a point where that doesn't serve me and nor does it serve the people that i make an effort to serve it doesn't serve my community for me to have that belief what does serve my community is for me to have 
been able to make whatever necessary sacrifices and uh, resetting my priorities to be toward my healing, the necessity of healing. Healing is, in fact, a necessity because we need it. The communities that we serve need it. Our world around us needs it. Our family, friends, partners, they, they need for us to be able to perform at tip top. And the only way to do that is to really identify what these core negative beliefs are and reframe them with behavior change. My behavior change now looks like an emphasis on my processes, looking at the progress, looking at the opportunities that have been created. And that's what's going to overwrite these beliefs. I know it. I know it. I believe it. And I believe in myself. And I'm telling myself this for the first time today. I'm, I believe in myself. And I've had these beliefs that weren't even mine. Like, I've just allowed people to tell me these things. And I've looked for confirmation that these things that other people have told me are true. Um, another thing that I talked to my therapist about here was being a 32-year-old black man who is working in the space of where on the, on the outside end, it looks like I'm a sex educator. I'm not a sex educator. I tell people I am an investigative journalist on mental health stigma. It's as simple as that. And this overlaps into so many different areas. It overlaps into sexual health, not just STIs, but also pleasure. So it looks like I'm a sex positivity enthusiast and activist or something. Um, it also extends into uh, suicide prevention. And like that's again, that's the core focus of the work that I do because I've had experiences with other people who have made attempts to uh, kill themselves. Some people have uh, around me have ended their lives. So this is where my own um, my own like beliefs or what, what fuels my intention for a lot of the work that I do. It's that. And so I can't have people, you know, telling me and fueling my beliefs about who I am. Because then that takes me away from my own belief about who I am and being able to make the necessary tweaks and adjustments on my internal drives to be able to continue to serve people in the way that I know how. And so I gave my therapist the example of being at the place I am, 32, uh, cisgendered, heterosexual, able-bodied black man in America where I've constantly heard, even in rap songs, Kanye West said, we wasn't supposed to make it past 25, jokes on you, we still alive. And this was the old Kanye. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And Tupac. Uh, I forget how old he was when he died, but he made it to a certain age. And it, it, there were things that he said, you know, we weren't we're not supposed to make it to this point. And up until um, I guess we can say this point, I've always been told by my family, hey, go to school, stay in school as long as you can get a job. Don't get nobody pregnant. And here I am. I, I got somebody pregnant, but I don't have any kids. You take that how you want. Um and I went to school, I went to college, I got the degree, I got two degrees, and I, I went worked in jobs, and I didn't belong in those places. They weren't for me. I took something from each of those environments that I was in. 
but I did what I was supposed to do and, and it didn't work out. And I look up and I'm like, all right, now what? And people, they can't tell me. They can't tell me. My granddad, my dad, my mom, they can't tell me what's next. They can't tell me what to do now because they haven't made it to this point. They did it. They did. Or they. Let me let me take a breath here. They gave to me what their parents passed down to them, which was just a little bit of progress. They gave me a little bit of progress. So for them, they knew that uh, I needed to be educated, that knowledge was power. And so going on to be educated and they knew that, you know, teen pregnancy or having kids young was something in our family that happened. So they made sure to emphasize don't have no kids. And so here I am. I I did those things. I don't have children and I'm not at a job. So I'm like looking to them like, what's next? What do I do? And no one, you know, everybody's like, damn, we we didn't think we'd get to this point. I don't know. That's on you to find out. That lack of guidance has created another internal belief of this self-distrust. Like, I have to trust what other people tell me, the people around me. Even in football, I noticed this. My coach would say, hey, do this. And I would always make it a point to do exactly that. And then be like, now what? And then from there, it's like, you got to play. Yeah, you know, here's your stance. When that ball snaps, you have to be in this position. But after you get into this position, everyone has a place that they're supposed to be in. But you got to play. You got to make the play however you got to make the play. That may look like taking a risk of not following through with exactly where I'm supposed to be. But I, I have this framework, this template that's supposed to put me in a position. And that's what it's done so far. My coaches have put me in position. My family has put me in position. In position, And now I got to make a play. Making a play right now looks like speaking to a therapist, identifying self-care, challenging my beliefs with behaviors. Making my own mistakes, redefining success, redefining my relationship to the things that are going to support me in that success. Understanding that self-care and healing are necessities. These things are, this is all the stuff that is at the next level. Like I feel I've made significant strides And yet the self-sabotaging that occurs comes from me constantly distrusting myself. I'm looking to the external world for validation here. Like, what what do I do? What's the next step? And reality is the next step is for me to trust myself. The next step is for me to trust that I'm the kind of person who can redefine my own internal belief structures with new behavior structures. I am exercising new patterns in my life that directly challenge these belief systems and overwrite these these statements and overwrite this data that I've had fueled into me because it no longer serves me. So stay in school, don't have kids, it served its purpose. Though my my parents, my grandparents telling me that it served its purpose. And ain't no more now what? Like now it's not a matter of looking to, it's a matter of looking in. 
Uh, I've evolved. I am evolving internally and externally. The world's response to that is one of evolution as well. One of healing. I never saw myself in a position of being able to a make my own decisions because I've always had someone in my ear coaching me like the next step in corporate was to go through be a coordinator for something then be an account manager and then you work up to an account supervisor and then you're high up in whatever company you're at and that shit did not work for me no and it's not supposed to that's not my journey And I look on the intuitive impulses that I have had throughout my life. And I look back sometimes. I'm like, damn, that cost me a lot of money. (laughs) I could be making a lot of money. But going back to that belief, I can't I can't think of myself to be a good person and make a lot of money. If I have the belief that money corrupts people and it is bad. And that the only way to be successful is to be bad. These things really go hand in hand and hand in hand. And that's how they're all connected. And now I look at my where I'm at now after having just said all of this, when I hit the stop button on this podcast, I can't just walk away as if I didn't say that because this accountability is now on the Internet. I am now accountable for everything that I just said. And that's the beauty of this. That's the big difference here between journaling it and then saying it out loud. Because it's not just out here to me, but it's out here to the world. And at any point, I can... This is out here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm not promoting this podcast. I mean, only a handful of people really know that I'm doing it. Um... But this is my own self-accountability. This is my self-trust. I felt a powerful nudge in the direction of being able to create something like this. My own little vehicle for self-expression, self-discovery, and self-exploration. You know, what's interesting, uh, too, is um, when I spoke to my therapist and I, I explained to him, like, I don't have that. I don't have a a coach. I don't have someone telling me, you know, what to do. But what I do have around me are people who challenge me to challenge myself. That's been one thing that I've learned in therapy is the importance of being able to challenge yourself. And now I'm challenging myself and that behavior is overriding the belief that I can only do things when other people tell me or I can only do things that are safe because other people told me because I I will also be able to point the finger at them if it doesn't work out the way that it's quote supposed to work out. So the challenge is to challenge myself. I'm learning to trust myself through these. I'm learning to trust that whatever correct or incorrect step I take as long as I'm in alignment with it, as long as it's fueled by, again, you look back at intentions and values, I am motivated by connection. How lo- As long as I'm feeling connected, connected to others, myself, my purpose, then there is no right or wrong. 
there's lessons to be learned. There's redirections and adjustments, of course, but I can do no wrong when I trust myself. I can do no wrong when I trust myself. And I trust myself to challenge my behaviors with beliefs because through to this point, looking back, I've had no, I'm here. I'm here. So none of those failures were actually failures. They were redirects. Redirects to this point that I'm at right now. I'm here. I'm in this moment. And the only thing that I can do to undo this is think myself out of being able to trust myself. The self-trust is one thing. The challenging of beliefs with behavior change, that's another thing. Looking outside yourself, looking to the world around you to tell you what to do, that don't work. And I even had this moment, uh, I taught a yoga class today. And when I taught this class, it was just me and one other person. Um, we got done. I was like, damn, I said some stuff. I wish I would have written down. And she was just like, yeah, like the part you said about, I don't even remember what she said, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I do remember, though, that going into it, I was trying to figure out what self-care looked like. And doing some doing a body scan bringing your awareness to your head, your face, fingertips, toes, uh, up through the different joints of the body where parts bend and connect, you can always feel a sensation. There's a sensation when you bring feeling to it. There's like a neutral sensation where you just know it's there. Perhaps there's an intensity of pain or pleasure. And the pain says, nope, get away from that. Don't do that. And perhaps it needs to rest. And then pleasure says, ah, more of this, please. This is at a good place. So we have these sensations in our body. We, we feed our body. We fuel our body. Our bodies tell us when it needs certain things. And I think that it's the same thing for our minds. We feed our minds various forms of media, encouragement, support, positivity, negativity. But what about that? What about underneath the stomach area, underneath the abs, deeper than the digestive system? That that essence that that runs through the nerves of the body. That invisible stuff, the 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 values, our core values that we have, our identities. What do we do to fuel our identities and feed our identities? How do we check in with those? I think that may be what self-care is. Checking into those things. Yes, your body is hungry, need, then feed it. Your body's tired, then rest it. Your mind running a million miles a minute, that just probably means you need to put something down on paper. But the, the piece of us that fuels the body, that fuels the mind, often gets neglected because it's not there. Like it's not outside of you. You can't see it. You don't notice the behaviors of it, but it's there. And our identities, how are we validating our own identities? How are we fueling our 
purpose, our service uh, mindedness, uh, what we need from and what we give to our communities, the, the words that are there. What are we doing to validate that aspect of ourselves? Are we resting? Are we acknowledging when we're out of balance in that sense and recalibrating? I mentioned my values, evolution, peace, liberation. Are the things that I'm doing in line with those three words that I choose to identify with and identify as? When they're not, how can I take care of myself? I exercise my body by movement, but through movement. And I'm aware of what it needs through movement. I exercise my mind with the consumption of content i listen to podcasts audio books um i watch like superhero stuff anime but what fuels the the invisible aspects of myself the invisibility of our identities how do we feed those how do we fuel those how do we nourish those by taking care of the body and the mind yeah of course but i believe that it's through self-expression self-exploration self-discovery because that's what those things are. Our identities are ourself. What are we doing to prioritize ourselves? And so it may not even be that it's self-care. It's identity care. Are we caring for our identities? Do we make space to give ourselves a space and time to just discover and explore and express ourselves? Because that's, that's what this is. That is exactly what self is for me. This is a space of self-discovery, self-exploration, and self-expression. I literally just had that epiphany right now talking through this. And damn, it feels good to understand that self-care is identity care. Self-care is identity care. What you identify as, how you identify, who you identify as, that's what this is. That's how we get here. That's man. I am. I, I can end on that. I can end on that. Wow. That was that. I'm 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 speechless. <laughs> so I'm going to take that out of here. I'm going to figure out ways to care for my identities. Evolution, peace, liberation. Am I connected to myself? Am I able, am I, do I feel connected to others? I do. I genuinely do. And it's caring for my identities that allows for me to continue to do so. So if you're someone who's listening to this and you find or found a parallel here, what you got? What you got for your identities? How are you caring for your identities? It's not self-care. It's identity care. You know, what we see is self-care on Instagram feeds. It's more so body care. Maybe, you know, people need that for their mental health, too. But we're overlooking identity care. And this is the first time I've heard that, seen that. It's going to be the episode title. <laughs> self-care is identity care. 
again, I can't thank you enough for being on this journey with me. This is really beautiful. It keeps me accountable for my own self-discovery, self-exploration, self-expression. Because that's what identity care is. Those three things. It's being connected to self. The self-education. The self-exploration. The self-discovery. The self-expression. That your future self is going to thank you for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep getting selfed. We can do this together. Join me on the journey of getting selfed. Thank you.